I'd like to invite you to open up the Pew Bible to Matthew chapter 25. That's what we're going to be looking at for the next few moments this morning on this Christ the King Sunday. Matthew chapter 25, starting with verse uh, 31, 32, somewhere's in there. I'd like to just read to you uh, Matthew chapter 25, verse 40. The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Let's pray. Father in heaven, may these words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You who are our strength and our rock, our redeemer. Amen. So how many times did you see Jesus this week? We just were singing about saying we want to see him. How many times, how many moments did you encounter Jesus? Did you, did you see him at least once this week? Or maybe you saw him several times this week? How many Jesus moments did you have? You know, even as I say that, you might be asking the same question that, that the, the, the people in Jesus' story that you have in front of you in Matthew chapter 25, both the sheep and the goats, the righteous and the unrighteous, both of them, when Jesus talks about him being visible and being able to be seen, and, and they ask the question, when? When, when did we see you? Jesus said, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was a stranger, I needed clothes, I was sick, I was in prison, and you fed me, gave me drink, took me in, clothed me. And the righteous ask, when? When, when was that? As if they didn't really re remember seeing him at all. When? When was that? Is that what you're asking now as I'm approaching the idea of you having seen Jesus this last week? When? Well, for now, let me ask just one more question. As you look back over the life you've lived these last seven days and, and are asking the question, when did I see Jesus? Do you now hear Jesus saying this to you? Whatever you did, for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did it for me. It's kind of a humbling thought, isn't it? To think that you did something for Jesus this week. You did it for me. Let's listen to what Jesus said about that coming moment of the final judgment that is recorded for us in, in Matthew chapter 25 as Jesus tells this story about the sheep and the goats and the separation of them, one going to everlasting life, the other going into everlasting condemnation, where he said, you did it for me. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Let's just stop there. What will happen on Judgment Day when the king returns? It will be a very personal event, won't it? Judgment will take place one person at a time, one by one. 
No one will be overlooked. No one will escape one by one. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. You know, at, at first glance, as we look at those words and hear those words, we might be tempted to think and conclude that somehow it is what I do for Jesus in my life that will make me a sheep. And it is somehow what I do in my life that will get me into heaven, that I will somehow have managed to earn my way in. And yet nothing could be farther from the truth, which is why what you and I will be given on Judgment Day is called our inheritance. You don't get an inheritance because you've done something. You get an inheritance because someone wants to give it to you, because you've been born into their family. They give you an inheritance. It's not a wage. It's not something that is earned. It's an inheritance. It's a gift. Then, too, when we, when we put this story of Jesus up against the rest of Scripture and what is taught in Scripture regarding how one receives eternal life, there's no way for us to conclude that we are designated as sheep because of what we did and somehow we earned our way into heaven. As Isaiah says it, all our righteousness, which would be all those things that Jesus said you did for me, all our righteousness is as a filthy rag. Or to put it in a little different way in Ephesians, it's by grace you are saved through faith and not of works. It is the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. You don't hear the sheep in Jesus' story boasting, do you? No, you only hear them asking the question, when? Nor do we hear the sheep saying, well, when I did that, I really did it for me and to advance myself in your eyes, Jesus. That, it was really more about me than it was about you. No, they just are simply asking, when? Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothes you? When did we see you sick or in prison and, and go to visit you? So why is it that the righteous, the sheep, are pictured as being so oblivious? to having seen Jesus and having done something for Jesus in their lives. I think it comes down to this. 
they weren't aware of their selfless deeds that they were doing for Jesus because love, true love, doesn't keep track of what you do for the people that you love. It just does them. Joyce, you didn't keep track of what you did for all your kids, did you? You just did it because you loved them. Milt, you're not keeping track of all that you're doing for Marlene, are you? <laughs> because you just love her. So it is that the sheep, also known as the righteous, live their lives doing selfless deeds of love without keeping track, without expecting anything in return because there was a love for Jesus that filled their hearts. And the reason that love for Jesus filled their hearts is because they knew that he had first loved them. His love for them created their love for him. I think these words from 1 John chapter 4 help us understand what's going on with the sheep in Jesus' story. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves, also known as the sheep, has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love, also known as the goats, does not know God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he first loved us us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. He has first loved you, hasn't he? And hasn't he first loved you in the greatest way possible? John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. From 1 John, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Romans chapter 5. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you. You have been given his love. He loves you unconditionally. He has forgiven you of all of your sins. 
He has given you the gift of faith, that Holy Spirit working through the word, working through the means of grace of baptism and the Lord's Supper. The Holy Spirit has brought you to say, Jesus is my Lord. In other words, I love Jesus. And you are now his child. Or as it says in Psalms, we are the sheep of his pasture and the flock under his care. And you have been given eternal life. That is yours in Jesus. Whoever believes has everlasting life. And all of this, all of this is unconditional love for you, the gift of, of faith in him, the hope of heaven through him. All of these are gifts from God given to you. And lead up to this in your life now. You love the Lord. Or else you wouldn't be here today, would you? It is your love for him that has drawn you to his house of worship. Because he first loved you. And all of these gifts, his, his never-ending, unconditional love for you, enable you to lead and live and, and serve Jesus in each day without the thought of, I'm doing something good for him in order to gain his favor. No, it's not to be noticed or to earn something, for that matter, to, to earn anything. No, you, you just are, are humbly loving others because he first loved you. So that come the time when Jesus the King returns And you hear him say all these things about you. And you ask him the question, when? You'll hear him say, whenever you did it unto one of the least of these, my brothers or sisters, you've done it unto me. May our lives be full of Jesus' moments this week. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.